the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. In the middle of it, Paul says, Consider yourself alive to God. Well, positionally, we know we are. But how do we consider ourselves alive to God? Glad you asked. And again, greetings in Christ. Welcome to today's broadcast. You know, it's one thing to maintain a position. It's another thing to actually live it out. And that's what Paul is telling us to do. We are alive to God. We need to consider ourselves now alive to God. In other words, we've got to believe the truth that God is emphatic about. For the details, let's catch up with Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. If he has given me Jesus, he's not going to let me go hungry. If God has taken care of me so that I will one day come to his eternal kingdom, then if I have a disease, yeah, it's not fun. But it is nothing else to die. It is to gain because we have Christ. Horrible things can happen to those whom God loves. And God does send them. And dark days can descend upon those whom God loves. But God works in the darkness to show us He is strong. He is sufficient. You do not need to have everything go your way before you will finally be joyful and serve me, He says, and yield to me because you just need me. So yield to me in this darkness. I am working in it. Keep in mind around me there is no darkness. Even the night shall be light around those who fear the Lord. There is no darkness where the Lord is. There is only light, beloved. And closely related to this, a fourth principle. And let's make this one personal. Philippians 4.13 is all you need for this fourth point. This idea of God working all things together for good to those who love him because we are alive in him, in Christ Because we are the special objects of his care and concern, it needs to be made personal. Paul was sitting in a Philippian jail. Certainly not like San Quentin or the Santa Clara Clara County jail where there is a nice little area where you get to eat three meals a day and you have an exercise area. And even a basketball court. He was in chains. He was bleeding. He had been beaten. And he said in Philippians 14, 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, what's the context? He says in the verses right above that, I've learned to have a lot. I've learned to be reduced and have very little. So being alive to God, even as dangerous and as common a sin that we will struggle with as discontent, It can't thrive because we're alive to God. Why? 
Christ is in us. He is strengthening us. We are alive to God. Notice how Paul gives all the credit. Why didn't Paul fall into depression? Because I can do all things through Christ. It's not me. It's not positive thinking. It's not willpower. I am alive to God through Christ. Are you considering in your individual circumstances just how alive and how much strength and power there is for you in Christ if you will seek it from him? Christ is in you, beloved, by his spirit. Oh, seek his strength. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. You can look at it later. The God is working in us. He began a good work in us and will keep on performing it. Do you realize this? Think of your particular circumstances and struggles. God is always working in them to what? To perfect you. Now you can fight and say, I don't like this. I don't want this. I need a new husband. I need a new church. I need a new job. I need a new car. I need a new life. Whatever it is. We finally say, I've had enough. I'm, I'm sick of it. But wait a minute. I have God's own promise. I'm alive to him through Jesus Christ. Everything. He is working in me personally so that Christ is strengthening me. It's not I who live. It is Christ who lives in me. There is strength to endure. There is strength to be joyful even in very difficult times. Our Savior offers us abundant life. He is powerful. Think of the murderers he has saved. The perverts he has cleansed. 1 Corinthians 6.11 Such were some of you. He says to the Corinthians, But you were washed. You were justified. You are sanctified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of my God. Who did this? Christ did this. Because he is working in each one of us. And this is what it means to be alive to God. I'm not dependent on my own recesses. Beloved, say this to yourself. I am not dependent on my own resources. Because I don't have any. I'm bankrupt. But I am now alive to the God who has all of these resources. All strength, all wisdom, all mercy, all grace, all life. Oh, he is going to want me to wait at times. There will be periods where, like the Lord Jesus, there will be cries and groaning. It is because I'm going to have a sonship like his that I will go through those things. He is going to want me to learn obedience just like my Savior had to learn. But in the back of all of that, I must be considering that I am not dead. I'm not estranged from God. God is not trying to kill me. He's not trying to torture me. He is trying to show me as his enemies, as, his, as he empties me of myself. I am your life. I have abundance. I have everything you need. Seek it from me. Draw it from me. That is what our Savior has won by his resurrection. Now, lasting, lastly, we have to keep something else on our mind all the time. The future glory of this being alive to God. 
because we are never going to be perfect in this life. Now, I've been enthused by these verses, but I know there will be seasons of temptations. I'm certain of this. I know death will come to me, to those I love, to some of you. It is just a fact. We all have weaknesses in our lives, but that does not define us. Christ defines us. One day in the future, there is going to come such a wondrous morning moment, the dawn of eternity, in which the wish and prayer of our Savior is going to be granted. Remember, why did he die to sin? Why did he lay down his life for us? Ephesians 5, 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, just forget about husbands and wives and look at Jesus here. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might. That doesn't mean the possibility of failure. It means more of the subjective reality that it is going to happen. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But it should be holy and without blemish. Now, before any of my weak comments, turn to John 17, 24, because it ought to be read in this context as well. John 17, 24, in the midst of our Savior's prayer. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Think what this means, child of God. Having died to sin, our Savior lives by the power of God. And one day he is going to present his church to himself in perfection. And we will behold his beauty, the resurrection and the life, our life. And we shall be with him where he is. Oh, you see, he is our destiny. It is where he is now. And he is crowned with glory and honor. And he's preparing a place for us. And he's working in our weaknesses and our sufferings and even in our failures and falling into sin. He's working in those things to bring us to glory. Think of your life. Think of a sin you struggle with. And you have struggled with. And you have struggled with. And you have struggled with. Now, I'm not talking about when you just willfully continue doing because you love it. I'm talking about one you hate. And you pray to God for mercy to help you overcome it. You've waited. Maybe it's been years and you ask God why. Lord, it would be so honoring to you if I would just be done with this. Why do you want me to keep seeking you? Why do you want me to keep crying out to you? Well, there is going to come a morning in your individual existence when you go and you see Christ and there is going to be a spot in your soul, in your heart, that has been so wounded while on earth with all your crying and tears and struggles in this particular sin. But when you see Christ and he cleanses you of this, you see why of this more clearly then. He didn't save you because you were good. 
He saved you because he wanted to make you good and one day perfect you. You were going to love him in ways you could have never loved him. You're going to praise him forever with an exuberance which which you would have never praised him had he not allowed you to languish a little bit here below. Jesus is going to be sweeter to you because of the struggle. So love him. This day is coming when all of his purposes and all of his working will be perfected. And you as a Christian are going to see the most beautiful woman there ever was. You know, men, we think we have, some, we have seen some beautiful women. Your wife is beautiful. You look around in our culture, the airbrushing, the nudity, the fake, the electronic, ah, it's all ugly. But there's going to be a day when there will be this woman, and her name is Church. And she is going to bask in the life. The freshness, the newness, the holiness of our Savior. For all eternity, Jesus laid down his life to bring his wife, his bride, to this perfected glory to be with him forever. And when we see this dazzling sight, all of the struggles, all of the tears, we'll know that they happened, but they will be more than compensated for in eternity this light momentary affliction is nothing in comparison to the glory that awaits. But brothers and sisters, you've got to think about this. This is part of what considering yourself to be alive to God means. Your present struggles are but a tiny little dot on those number line drawings for children. You remember those? I used to play with those. I don't remember if my children did or not but just a tiny little dot. Yes, we struggle. We cry. But don't stop crying, my friends. Because you're not a son if you stop crying. You're not a daughter if you stop crying out and seeking the Lord and His grace. But all that crying is but a dot on your personal existence. Because we have eternity to be with Christ and to enjoy Him and to worship Him and serve Him forever. And like Peter said, in light of this, what manner of person ought we to be in all manner of godliness looking for and hasting under the coming of the day of God? Beloved, don't look, live like a dead man. Don't live as if this life is the whole compass of your experience. If this could only be impressed upon us. Some of you have lived 40 years, 50, 60, 70, 80. Boy, you're really getting up there, aren't you? But as long as we have lived, as much as we have seen, that is infinitesimal compared to the glory that awaits us in Christ forever. We've been made alive to God in Him. Is that what you think about yourselves? Or do you think of yourself as a child of this world? My destiny, it's what I drive. My destiny is do I have enough money in my retirement account? This is my whole life. This is all my peace. That's my comfort. Where I live, what I have, what I look like. 
No, no, I'm alive to God in Jesus Christ, my Lord. Now, beloved, I have to admit, even looking at these five things, our experience is not usually, I won't say always, it doesn't usually, though, match up to the glory and to the life we have in Jesus. But, beloved, there is enough to raise up the most depressed spirits. Grace reigns in us. God's kindness. I have a new relationship with him. He is working in all things. He rules the universe with a special regard for his people. I can do all things through Christ now who strengthens me. I'm not alone. I'm not left to cast away on the resources of my rebellion. And I've got glory that awaits me. What do we make of the fact and do with the fact that our experience doesn't match up with the realities of God? Well, on the one hand, we don't deny the glory. And that is what we, most of us do. I just won't think about heaven. I've just got to be immersed in the here and now because of my babies or my job or bosses or bills or whatever. We can't do that. Because if we deny the glory, we are robbing ourselves of joy. But let me tell you something else we can't do. We can't ignore our present miseries either. Some of your circumstances are very difficult. All of us have at least one thing that is a real burden to us, if not many. And we do at times feel like all of the air is being sucked out of us. And that we are being suffocated by the pressures and the trials of life. But we cannot ignore these either. Because that would be to be caught up in some kind of spiritual ecstasy. And that lasts, what, maybe five minutes? So what are we supposed to do? Let me just give you a couple of things in closing. Listen to them, though, and try to take them in. The troubles of this life do not trump the resurrected Christ. So in the midst of the troubles, keep looking to Christ. Keep looking to him. Keep staying in the word. There is no Christian faith that is dynamic in living it that is not Christ's word indwelling faith. Meditate on the word of God. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. And you will bear much fruit because it is all the voice of Jesus. Second, don't let the continuing existence of sin in your life make you doubt the Lord Jesus Christ or your union with him. That is the flesh's and the devil's work. Christ's work is not yet perfect in us. But we do not go in and out of being dead to sin and alive to him. We have been definitively made new in Christ. Now let's say you go home this evening and your children have really given you grief. Little children, big children. Well, you don't kick your child out of your house and say, you're not my child anymore. Now it is your child. So you correct them because you want them to grow in the Lord. But in the same way, God doesn't stop loving us. 
We don't stop being alive in Christ because we are not yet perfected. We do not fall out of Christ when we fall into sin, assuming we go right back to him. Lord Jesus, I'm drowning. Save me. Okay, I've got you. Oh, that was stupid. It wasn't right. But my blood is sufficient. You're not going to obey yourself back into my favor. So just come back to me. Be humbled. Retake my life upon you. I give it as a free gift. Beloved, heaven is open to us. We do not fall out of Christ when we fall into sin. Oh, and parents, be careful. Sometimes we teach our children a very hard Jesus, a taskmaster Jesus that has no attractiveness to the next generation. If somehow staying in his favor and staying in a calm and peaceful place means everything has got to go just like I think it should. Don't do that. Repent of it. God never keeps us in his favor because everything in our lives is just where it's supposed to be. It is his grace that has made all things new. It is our Savior crucified and raised to God's right hand. Never our performance. Never. And it is when we realize that and our hearts are filled with gratitude for such wondrous love that actually obedience becomes more normal and easier because it's not prompted by guilt. It's not prompted by nasty perfectionism. It is, problem, it is prompted by, oh, what wondrous, deep, deep love of God has been shown to me in the Lord Jesus Christ. So our sins, as frustrating as they are in our weakness, so that we feel our wretchedness like Paul did, oh, wretched man that I am, do not let these things drown out the victory cry in verse 25 of Romans 8 or 7. What was that cry? Right after saying, oh, wretched man that I am, the cry came, yes, I am wretched. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The victory is not in me. It is in him. So I'm going to continue looking to him. I'm going to trust his promises. I'm going to abide in his word. Of course, there never was really any life in me no matter how much progress has been made in my faith i need much more grace and strength and mercy and the fountains opened up to me he says come drink out of the water the wells of salvation come drink jesus said to the woman at the well whoever believes in me out of his belly will flow rivers of living water god is alive He raised his son from the dead and we are alive through him. We are to think of ourselves as being alive to God in him. So let's trust him. Let's consider ourselves as having no other life but in him, which he offers to us freely. You might say, but preacher, I've done some pretty bad things. There are some things between me and God right now. Okay. But guess what God does? You come to him and you confess your sin. And those things are all cleared away. 
not because you have a way of taking them away, but because he did in his mercy. So come to Christ, be forgiven, be cleansed, be made new and be given hope that even though the work is still going on, we are still weak. There are still tears. There are still trials, but it's okay. Thanks be to God who gives me the victory. He's holding on to you and I so I can hold on to him. That's our lives. Amen. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408-866. Eight six six five six zero seven. We thank you for joining us and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.